0: Of books that you're doing, and if you could, I don't want to assume that any of our listeners heard all four or any of the the previous interviews. So, if you could, kind of give us a little bit of a review of what the Harwood Mystery Series is all about.
1: Absolutely, yeah. This is uh, again, it's published by Loyola Press. It is a 12th century England medieval adventure series, but it's actually historical fiction. And it follows a trio of teenagers, Zan, who's my main character, and his two friends, Lucy and Christina. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, the books themselves, you know, kind of bring into, uh, to our youth medieval times, um, monasticism, feudalism, the crusades, all sorts of cool historical things that were going on at that time. And then each book kind of has its own spooky mystery. So if you recall, we spoke about Shadow in the Dark, which was book one, which is kind of this uh, spooky uh, Grim Reaper fella who's roaming around the abbey grounds. We've got book two, The Haunted Cathedral, which was uh, potentially a uh, a haunted cathedral, haunted by the ghost <laughs> of a little girl in Lincoln, England. Uh, book three, The Fire of Eden, was a jewel thief book where Zan uh, had to figure out who stole the jewel on the eve of the ordination of uh, one of the monks and then book 4 which we spoke about last year the merchant's curse uh, it's almost uh kind of a, a witchy kind of a story um and uh, that one actually I, I put a lot of the book of ecclesiastes into some of the themes going on in that book and now we come to book 5 which is my homage to agatha christie and murder mysteries you know the murder mystery who done it and, uh, and its main character is a, a crusader recently returned from the Holy Land, and he's being accused of a murder that occurs in this um, village, and Van and Lucy and Christina are trying to save his life if he's not truly the murderer and find the real killer.
0: Uh well that's a that's a great little recap there so thank you for that and again the the most recent one is Murder at Penwood Manor that's book 5 and uh, anybody who's interested in uh purchasing any one or all of this series can go to a, a very simple website uh, tony colinks uh, uh full name is anthony colink and so it's AntonyKolink.com, A-N-T-O-N-Y-K-O-L-E-N-C.com. And you can find out more about this Harwood Mystery Series and more about him uh, as well. So uh, I think I probably asked you this before, but I'm just curious, when you started the first book, did you already kind of have the whole thing in your mind or did it kind of organically develop as you went through in your, in your head or <laughs> how much of it Did you know, starting off, how this was going to go, or did it just kind of happen through time?
1: Well, this has been a very long process. From the time I started writing Shadow in the Dark, it's been, you know, 15 years or so now, and it's gone through, that book especially, has gone through many different edits and changes, Uh, and so it was probably when I got to book two and three that I really started plotting out the entire series, and Although you plot it out in advance, as you're writing the books, they sort of organically develop, and as I like to to think, I, I always, you know, I view this as a ministry, so I, I'm always, you know, praying before I write that God would, you know, inspire me, and I kind of feel like uh, in the middle of these books, somehow they take on a life of their own, and they do things that I didn't necessarily expect uh, as I started, and those are always the best things in the book, are the ones that sort of organically you know came up as i was writing them but yeah we're gonna have six books in the series loyola uh you know said book six will be our our cap and i literally just mailed that to loyola a few weeks ago and so i'm excited because i got to wrap up a lot of loose ends that we could talk about next year uh, when (laughs) book six comes out
0: is that the plan is to do like about one a year or you're you're probably already working on number six aren't you
1: well yeah, I just finished 6 and sent it to Loyola. Oh, okay. So um that'll you know there'll be a year in the process of releasing oh, it. Oh okay. Wow, well, I didn't realize yeah, it took so that I long. so I yeah. know how it I know how it ends now and uh you know and it's it's pretty exciting cuz book 5 to be honest is a cliffhanger. It's uh, one of the few books that really leaves you hanging in between and so book six is a good complement to it.
0: Oh, wow. Well, I didn't realize the process uh, was that 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 uh, behind as far as you're already finished with six, but it doesn't come out for another year. Uh, and I'm guessing you're not going to tell us how six goes <laughs> on I'm this interview. I'm
1: say that it ties up all the loose ends of the entire series and that it ends with uh, a lot of fireworks.
0: All right. Oh, little, I'm sure figuratively and not literally, right? Not uh, literally. Okay. They,
1: they weren't using fireworks there at that
0: time, but... <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, as you talk about you know the ghosts and uh, you know there's murder and uh, you know witchcraft and at the same time the uh, scripture and crusades and in, in, in the, you know the, the our Christian Catholic faith and how how do you do people ever say gosh I don't want my kids to be exposed to this kind of stuff or it sounds kind of Harry Potterish and you know there's d- different opinions on that how how do you kind of mix that in and and, and still make it um, palatable and agreeable to to, to, to families who might be a little weirded out by that kind of stuff?
1: Well, so let me say, first off, there's nothing for families to get weirded out in the series. The series has the uh, Catholic Writers Guild Seal of Approval. Um, each, actually, it's won over a dozen awards and multiple awards from the Association of Catholic Publishers and the Catholic Media Association. So it is very safe for families. That's the reason I wrote this series, was as an alternative to Harry Potter, but but I wanted at the same time for the series to have the same draw and vibe, kind of a spooky vibe that you would get from like a Harry Potter so that our kids would really enjoy reading this kind of thing. So um, so you have to trust that although there is um, always a mystery and that mystery does um, oftentimes seem to have some sort of supernatural elements or something that um, at the end of the day, there's a historical fiction series uh, published um, by a Catholic publisher, and uh, and there's nothing that parents at the end should, you know, worry about um, in any of those types of messages. It's a very orthodox series.
0: Yeah, you mentioned this has been going on for about 15 years, so I imagine. You know, a a fifteen year old kid who picked up the first uh, you know Shadow in the Dark uh, back then is now in his thirties. <laughs> do you do you find that people have been kind of following you along, or are they passing it now down to their kids, or uh, you you find that people are 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 kind of eager for the these to each each year to come out or the new ones?
1: Yeah. So what happened is, um, although I started writing Shadow in the Dark way back when, uh, the the Harwood Mysteries themselves were put out by Loyola Press starting in 2020. So we've actually been putting them out fairly, you know, quickly, one on top of another yeah. almost. And now we're at like a one a year. Um, but definitely uh, people are, are always interested in when the next one's going to come out. And the, You know, the nice thing about this is, um, like in any series, you know, when the new one's coming out, a lot of times the kids will go back and reread the old ones to kind of catch up on the story. Um, you know, because it does follow Zan and, and Lucy and Christine as they get older. They start at 11 years old, and by the time we get to book five, they're uh, 14 and 13 years old. And, uh, and so there is some, some chronology, but each of the books is also standalone, so you could actually read it without having read the others. But there are some spoilers, so I don't usually recommend that. I think starting in book one makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, you mentioned about uh, Ecclesiastes and the the faith elements. Uh, well, how how would uh, a a child, a young person, or anybody for that matter, you know, read something like this and come out of it and say, you know, what I feel? I feel like my my faith is strengthened. I feel like you know, I don't know, maybe an exercise of the virtue through the characters, or how how do you infuse the the, the Christian faith and perhaps the, even the Catholic faith uh, for that matter into these books?
1: Well, they take place. Um, you know the the premise of the story is Zan's village is attacked in book one uh, by bandits, and he winds up at Parwood Abbey, being raised by the Benedictine monks and the nuns that are on the, uh, in the nunnery there, and so um, and so there is kind of and it's the Middle Ages, you know, and there was only the Catholic Church, uh, in England at this time prior to the Reformation, and so essentially everything that they did at those day, in those days really revolved around Their faith. So it's very organic to what's going on. And there definitely are religious themes. There's some monks and nuns who are very good mentors. And you could see Zan's faith developing as he gets older, too. Um, But it all had to be organic. Like, you know, the story has still got to be an adventure, you know, story, a mystery, and um, have all those elements on its own. But as you point out, I do like to put different. Uh, virtues and themes into each book. So, like, book one is really about um, suffering and and why why bad things happen to good people. That kind of a theme. Book two is about forgiveness. Book three is about uh, rejecting pride for humility. Book four is about the vanities of life. In Ecclesiastes, you know, vanity of vanities, everything's vanity. And book five, the theme is actually um, you know focused on envy. Uh, if you recall. The story of Cain and Abel back in the Old Testament, the very first murder is based on envy. Cain is envious of his brother Abel, and he kills him and so it 's a good theme, I think to explore in the context of a murder story uh, because it, you know envy is something we don 't talk about a lot and mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of confused a lot so the uh, so the characters really I think get a uh, the chance and this, and the readers get a chance to really have a better understanding of why Envy is an incredibly terrible vice.
0: Yes. Tony Colink is my guest. He is the author of The Harwood Mysteries. It's an award-winning medieval historical fiction series for youth published by Loyola Press. And The Fifth of Six uh, came out last month. It's called Murder at Penwood Manor. And as he mentioned, uh, book six is going to be released probably about a year from now, and uh, we'll have to wait for that one. But if you want to get one or all five of these in the series, go to his website, antonykolenc.com, a n t o n y k o l e n c dot com, and uh, Tony. I'm I'm guessing you know no age is perfect but you know you're writing in the the time of you know really the the high middle ages the century before Francis and Aquinas and Bonaventure and you know in in if if nothing else it was a, a a more simple time and I wonder if that's something that is appealing to young people as they read about uh, an age where there was no internet and cell phones and TikTok, <laughs> you know that kind of thing. Is that uh, do you get any feedback on that kind of thing?
1: Well, I mean, but it's it's the age of knights and uh, the Crusades, and you know we're we're literally uh, just before the Third Crusade. King Hen- uh, King Henry the Second is in his last few years on the throne. His son, King Richard the Lionheart, which I'm sure some listeners will go, I remember him from those Robin Hood movies. Mm -hmm. That's because this is also the time of Robin Hood uh, in in that sense. And, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of really cool things going on in the world and in history. And especially, like, we see the tragedy going on in the Middle East right now. You know, in in many ways, these are, uh, you know, history lessons that go all the way back to this exact time period of the, you know, between the Second and Third Crusade. Uh, when you know uh, the Muslims under Saladin get Jerusalem back from the Christians, and and so a lot of that goes uh, backstory is in this book five because our our main suspect is a Crusader uh, returned from the Holy Land, so we get some of that there. But I go ahead.
0: Oh no, I just uh, I say you you clearly have to be a you, you know you're a student of history, you do law and all that, but uh, it must be interesting to take fictitious characters like uh, you know zan and lucy and christina and kind of place them into a real historical time period where you know we know kind of what happened and some of the things that were going on uh talk about that interesting you know kind of dynamic of infusing fiction into non-fiction in a sense right
1: yeah, I mean, it's historical fiction. It's probably lighter on the history and heavier on the uh, fiction part. Yeah. But like you said, we're putting... And some of the stuff is just straight out of the history books. But, um, you know, we're putting fictional characters into real-life events and places, uh, at least things that are going on in the background that would impact them. But, you know, I'm looking at it through the the eyesight of a peasant boy and, you know, essentially lower or middle class, uh, lower middle class, you know, people during the Middle Ages. So I'm not looking at it from King Henry's perspective. And oftentimes when we see these stories about the Middle Ages, it's always through the, you know, knights and through the kings and queens and princesses. But here we don't have any of that. We have poor people, average people who are, you know, um, our heroes. And so you can do a lot more with that because you know you're you're exploring stories that you don't see all the time um, and i was going to say that what i'm really excited about is because of the historical aspects a lot of schools are starting to especially with Shadow in the Dark are starting to use it uh, with their students um in like their church history classes or social studies classes i've been giving a bunch of talks at catholic schools to middle schoolers especially and uh you know and, and it's been very uh it's been very uh, thrilling for me to see this, the books being used in the way I really wanted them to be used, which was, you know, by young people to learn and to enjoy them.
0: And are we? do you, do you have a particular age range that's your target or what What would you say? Is it like a junior high or middle school or, or what?
1: So the the books are great for uh, ages 10 and up. and And so, I mean, you get high schoolers too, but they're marketed primarily to kind of that – uh, you know, fourth through eighth grade range. They're, uh, because our kids are reading, I, I gosh, I was at a school a few weeks ago, and a, a fourth grader told me that in second grade she read the Harry Potter series, which I couldn't believe. But mm. if kids are that young and able to read um, at such a higher level, uh, you know, yeah, fourth graders definitely are, are reading this. But as an eighth grader or a high school student, th- the series is also very enjoyable because I didn't write it, at like a very kiddish kind of a, a feel. It definitely feels like a more substantial reading. But yeah, the fourth, fifth, sixth grade would be a perfect time.
0: Mm. and uh if somebody you know they're listening to this interview right now and maybe this is the first time they've heard of this series and they're like gosh i don't know if i can get all five of them would it would it make sense to get murder at penwood manor and read that first or do you pretty much need to read them in order for it to kind of understand the flow of how the storyline goes
1: You don't need to read them in order, but they're definitely, especially if you pick up book five, they're definitely spoilers from some of the other books because, you know, time has gone by and and some of the events are referenced um, because they have to be. Um, So, you know, if it's a series that you were going to start your kid on, I would still probably start them at book one with Shadow in the Dark um or let them read book 5 and if they like it then go back and uh, have them reread uh, you know although there's some spoilers you know it's, I didn't want to spoil the whole series uh <laughs> but yeah no it's good and and I should say uh you know of course there's a lot of great catholic books written today for our teens I always like to plug uh, one website is catholicteenbooks.com um you can get my books on there but there's like 15 other catholic authors who are writing all different types of books for <laughs> Uh, for teenagers and so at this time of the year when people are thinking of buying christmas presents for you know kids and they don't know what to get them and they want to give another video game you know think about uh different catholic books and if, if this series doesn't you know float your boat um check it out there's a lot of other catholic series out there that are all very good and and strong books that kids love
0: now you know you already mentioned that book six is done it's been sent off to loyola press and so are you feeling like withdrawals like i can't (laughs) i can't write any more of this or is there another project on the horizon or or what are you going to do now
1: i'm I'm so busy I can't even tell you, but the one thing I will mention, and maybe I can come back in the in Lent and talk to you again the um our Sunday visitor is putting out a brand new book from me, not in this series it's It's going to be called Penny and the Stolen chalice and it's like a sixth grade girl solving a mystery at a Catholic school in modern times and and it's really focused on helping kids uh understand more about the Eucharist, and that one is written more for like You know, third, fourth, fifth graders, but. Uh, that book's going to be coming out in Lent. And then I've got a whole other series I'm starting up next year for older, uh, like new adult college age, but I won't talk about that now.
0: Yeah. Wow. Busy, busy. <laughs> and, you're, and you're teaching Absolutely. full-time at Abbe Maria School of Law. And, you know, I didn't mention in your bio, because I was running out of time, that you retired as a lieutenant colonel from the U.S. Air Force uh, JAG Corps after 21 years of military service. And I know we recently, as of this uh, recording, uh, um, commemorated. Veterans Day, so thank you for your service. I do want to mention that as well, um, Tony. We thank just you. have a couple of minutes uh, remaining, and I just wanted to give you a chance to, uh, you know, speak to our listeners about this Harwood Mystery series, and also in particular, uh, book five, which is Murder at Penwood Manor and maybe talk about some of the feedback you're getting from kids or parents and uh, just kind of an encouragement for people to get on the website and order one or five of these and maybe Christmas gifts or or something like that for their kids. Just have a a, a minute or two remaining in the interview.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. And, you know, I would say, look, the series has gotten some very good accolades. Like I said, a lot of uh, book awards for the quality of the writing. Loyola has done an amazing job on the uh, on the book cover designs and the maps that are inside. They actually won an award for book four just on the cover itself. Uh, and 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 if, if you're looking for a book that is going or a series especially that is going to interest youth, you know they're going to be excited because there's action in it. There's a lot of mystery and suspense. Um, but it's got the kinds of themes that you care about. I mean, the whole series is really about vocation. It's about these kids coming of age and asking themselves, what does God want from me in my life, and some of the decisions they have to make and the challenges they have to face. And it definitely presents faith in a, um, a real way, which is, I think, what's missing from our kids' literature nowadays, is we pretend that God doesn't exist in our modern books. And this series does not shy away from that at all because, you know, especially in the Middle Ages, that was very well known that God existed. So uh, so it's a good series for that, and uh, take a look at it. You'll see, uh, hopefully, that it's the kind of thing the kids would enjoy. I get a lot of very positive feedback uh, talking to middle schoolers who have read the book and high schoolers even.
0: All right. Well, thank you again for uh, being available to talk about this. The uh, series is called The Harwood Mysteries, And it's published by Loyola Press. My guest is Tony Kolink and his website is his name, uh, A N T O N Y K O L E N C dot com. And the most recent uh, in this series is called Murder at Penwood Manor, book five. And did you mention the name of number six Uh, that's going to come out next (laughs) year? What is that called?
1: Well, it tentatively is titled The Devil's Ransom. Um, okay. But who knows? Loyola might change that name.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, Tony, thanks a lot. I hope you have a, a beautiful Advent and Christmas season. And uh, we will look forward to 2024 talking to you again. Uh, appreciate your time very much.
1: Thank you, Dave. God bless you and the ministry uh, that you and your station do there.
0: All right, thank you. This has been the interview of the week here on KTH nine ten a.m., Guadalupe Radio Network. If you have suggestions for future interviews, you can email me directly, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Thanks to Cecil Anderson for running the board and thank you for your support of the GRN and also great uh, books like the Harwood Mystery Series. God bless you.
1: The women of St. Martin de Porres Catholic Church and Prosper extend a warm invitation to all women ages 14 and above to join them for their upcoming women's retreat on Saturday, December 9th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. This day is dedicated to prayer, reflection, and adoration. They are delighted to have Jackie Francois Angel, a renowned speaker, author, and homeschooling mother of four, as the guest speaker for the event. She will explore the profound significance of the Virgin Mary as a model of faith. Visit stmartindp.org forward slash women's ministry for additional details and to register. Hello, I'm Joshua Stafish, a member of Modern Day Parish in Irving and a new sponsor here at KATH 910AM. I'm the co-owner of Absolute Painting. We serve customers throughout the DFW Metroplex, help them with home improvement projects, both interior and exterior, along with painting, drywall, foundation repairs, and other projects, large and small. I welcome your opportunity to prepare an estimate for your next project. You can find us at AbsolutePTG.com or by phone and text at 972-375-5100.
0: Well, welcome everybody to this edition of the KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. And I have said so many times that this is an eclectic show. We talk uh, about a lot of different topics, a lot of different people. And I also have said many times that it's uh, always a great blessing when one of our uh, local Catholic priests comes into the studio and visits us. And so we can have a chance to get to know him a little bit better. And uh, this is not only a local Catholic priest, this is a priest who has a very interesting... Interesting background, And I do want to thank Father Alphonse Nazaro, who is the pastor at Mary Immaculate Parish in Farmers Branch, for recommending this interview. It's not Father Alphonse. He was actually in studio this past Monday. But uh, his parochial vicar is Father Frank Agboli. Agboli. Agbowai. Did I get that close, Father? <laughs> Absolutely. You're right, Agboye. Uh, oh, Agboye. Okay. And uh, let me give a little bit of background uh, of uh, Father Frank. Uh he is from the Republic of Benin in West Africa. He's a priest of the Congregation of Jesus and Mary, the community of Yudist Fathers. Father Frank is the full-time chaplain and part-time parochial vicar at Mary Macleod Catholic Church and he also um is the uh chaplain of the uh, the Francophone pastoral needs of the diocese of dallas okay so he is he's he's french speaking he's from africa he speaks uh, multiple languages and we're very blessed to have you in the diocese father so thank you for coming and visiting uh, with us today
2: thank you dave thank you so much thank you everyone i'm so blessed i'm so honored to be here today uh, in uh, this studio to speak a little bit about of uh, not Mary MacLeod Church because Father Alphonse will do that. (laughs) But me uh, about a Francophone uh, community and we try to 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 grow in the Diocese of Dallas.
0: Yeah, and you're also very active in the Spanish community as well. In fact, when I told Martínez Mendi, our Spanish executive director, he's like, "Oh yeah, I know Father Frank." And so, <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, let's uh, start from the beginning. Uh, I was a little uh, a little bit embarrassed and 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 but enlightened by the fact that I had never heard of the country of Benin and it's uh, in West Africa. You say it's very small.
2: This is where you grew up. Can you tell us about the country? I've I've never heard of it. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Uh, So, effectively, uh, I grew up in Benin. Benin is a small country in West Africa, um, next to Nigeria, uh, between Nigeria and Togo. And then we were colonized by by, uh, France. So, uh, the first language over there is uh, French. And then um, I grew in Benin. I was born in uh, 1970. And then went to to seminary, and then uh, uh, basically I went to the dio- diocesan seminary. And then after my my ter- my philosophy years, I just uh, moved to Judas Fathers Congregation, uh, which uh, is uh, a congregation for uh, those who want to to form, to 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 teach. And then uh, I love this spirituality well, for Saint John Judas. And then uh, after my ordination, I went to Rome and to study four years for uh, uh, theology and liturgy. And then I was graduate, um, a master on, on liturgical sciences. And then after that, I came back to 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 Africa and I teach as a professor uh, at a high seminary in Burkina Faso and Ivory Coast. So basically... Uh, I'm here. Yeah, and you've
0: yeah. traveled quite a bit. It uh, sounds like uh, there's so many different angles I want to ask you about. But uh, is
2: Benin a, a largely Catholic country? Uh, Did you
0: come up and grow up in a very Catholic family?
2: Yeah. No, um, I have to say that the Benin, uh, the first religion, Benin is uh, what we call animist so uh, people just uh, have their faith and to 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 believe in i don't know something like uh, a sea, like a big tree but is is a traditional uh, religion which uh, suppose uh, to have a relationship with uh, uh, not they, they don't call that god but uh, like a, a supreme being that's it. Okay, so okay. Is, is that uh, what they, we call animism, animism. animism but yeah. we have also a big community of Catholic in Benin, which will be 28%. Okay. So because animist was uh, 60% and then uh, the, 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 the Catholic religion, religion Catholic is maybe the f- second one. Yeah. And after we have the Muslim and the Protestant. That's yeah.
0: So okay, so a lot of different religions there in the country. How uh, how early in life did you know you wanted to be a priest, and how did that decision, uh, how did God call you to seminary and the priestly
2: life? Okay, thank you. Um, I, I born, I was born in the Catholic family, so um, my mother was so involved in the church, and when I was young, a <laughs> baby, like uh, she 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 gave me, she went me, she she went with me at church and then i have this love of church and then uh, as i was uh, uh, maybe 6 years i start to serve the mass i was uh, actor server for a long time and then uh, when I, I i i love this uh, this uh, religion things altar things i was all time with uh, the 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 priest and then i i asked to my my pastor, in this time, uh, I want to go to seminary. I want to do like you. I want just to serve mass. I want to okay. So, and that's not, that's just my my source of the qualification. Yeah. That's a that's the the, the main thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. praise
0: God for that. Uh, you mentioned Saint John Yudis and his spirituality i'm not i'm familiar i've heard of the saint can you tell us more about him
2: and what is that particular spirituality of saint john okay. so Saint john youtes is a great saint uh from the uh, seventeenth uh century and then he's he's born from uh, he born in france uh the region is normandy and then uh saint john uh uh during his uh, it's time of formation. Uh, notice that uh, uh, people need a real uh, time of, th- th- they need to be accompanied by the priest. So uh, the, the, the great word is uh, my people is dying because there is nobody to teach him what he needs to know. Mm-hmm. So St. John uh, take the decision to to, to to form, to make a, a small congregation just to dedicate all his time for the formation. So the spirituality of Yudhis is formation and evangelization. Mm -hmm. So evangelization because uh, they have to form those who need to form the people. So it's for that we are especially uh, called to teach in the seminaries and the universities. Yes. And then uh, evangelization is the second part because we need also to be uh, next to the people of God and just to co- to, to go with them, to, to, to try them to know what is essential to grow in their faith. Mm-hmm. So Very started. good.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Father Frank Agbowai is my... Guest, and he is serving at Mary Immaculate Parish and Farmers Branch as a Procureo Vicar. He's also the chaplain of the uh, Francophone community there, the French speaking community here in North Texas. We'll learn more about that and how big that community is and exactly what his role is in that capacity. Uh, but let's talk about how you came here in the first place. Uh, how long have you been in the United States? Why did you come? And uh, why
2: Texas? Why Mary Immaculate Parish? Okay. Lots of questions there. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Dave. So I, I want just to come back to my roots, though. So. Yeah. And then, um, yes, um, I used to come to United States because uh, I have a brother here, my brand young brother, who lived here for twenty twenty years, uh, I think. But uh, for the, my story with uh, the Duchess of Dallas uh, was in uh, mm, two thousand. Eighteen. Okay. So I went here, and uh, before coming, uh, one of priests, mine, my friend priest, uh, told me that uh, he has a small group here in Dallas, uh, a spiritual group, uh, which need help with a, a priest, just to 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 let them know some to to so, to to to. to, to, to speak about of some topics. And then I said, okay, as I'm coming here, I can just uh, do that. And then I came to here uh, here in uh, the diocese of Dallas where uh, we have a, a group, a spiritual group named uh, uh, Fraternité Notre-Dame du Réveil Spirituel. It's a small group. Uh, basically, they are also 8, 10, 11, 12. And they take just time to pray together because they're all from African uh, countries speaking French. Mm-hmm. So when I came, I meet with them, and I try, I, I started to, 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 to come to, to accompany them uh, online. So they gave me uh, some, some topics to, to help them to know. Uh, we talk about of sacraments, we talk about of angels, we talk about of uh, uh, marriage in, in Catholic Church, a lot of things. And then yeah. at the end of the day, we it was maybe six weeks, six weeks. And then at the at the end of this day, the, the term they told me, Father, we need you to to continue this kind of job. I said, Oh no, I'm just in vacation, <laughs> and I, I'm I'm in charge of a parish. I was pastor yeah. in uh, in Benin in a small parish, some some Benedict. So I told them, No, I need to go back and just to 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 finish my my work as pastor because I was at the, at my term. As pastor six years so and then I also take the decision to go in my sabbatical years so they told me okay that's good but we have a great events and then we need you to be here but we, are, we also need to, to present you as our spiritual director because we are trying to be an organization non parish based and that's a, we need to to have a spiritual director.
0: Yeah, so you're getting kind of pulled uh, exactly. to to the Dallas Diocese, exactly. while you still feel you have a responsibility.
2: Yeah, and I told them, all right, okay, I can I can do that. Problem, but before going forward, I, I need just to go back and to talk with my superior because I, I'm from a congregation, and then I need uh, my, my superior to allow me to do what I have to do. So they told me, uh we ha- they have a great event convention, charismatic convention. Of United States of America and Canada, North North America. And then they told me, Oh, can you just accept to, to participate? I said, Yeah, sure, it's okay. And then we get yeah, they got this event on this year at Mary Magdalene Church. Ah, oh, okay. And then Father Michael Forge was a pastor. Yeah, yeah. And then we go for this event and they present me to Father Michael and then we I just greet him. And during the event, a bishop come from Africa and some priest and other uh, when we finished this event told me father we definitely need you to to be here and to continue to help us so if you want we can just go to see pastor of this church and ask him if you he is okay, he's okay with accepting to uh, to welcome you to get you with him in this parish yeah because i told them that when i will go back i will have my sabbatical years which is 1 year for me and I plan to come back and to be with my young brother and to improve my English, just mm. to to go deep in my, and try to to, yeah. to know what he, the, the pastoral also in the United States of America. Yeah, We went to see Father Michael, and Father Michael said, yeah, 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 Father, you can come. Uh, we get a we get house for you, and then you can just try to, to continue to lead your beautiful, because Father Michael saw during the convention, a lot of things, they said, ah, we can just promote this community. And then... Mm is That and I came back for, for, for six months. Six months, yeah, And yeah. during this six months, I was at um, Mary Macri just uh, celebrating with Father Michael. And he allowed, allowed us to have mass only the Saturday nights at 7 p.m. Okay, just with a small community. And during these masses, people they know that oh, there's mass, there's my and people are come, I come, I come. And after four months, they they, they told me, Father, we need to. To, we need you to be here. So let us go uh, to ask Father Michael if it is possible to have a way and to write to the dances and to, mm. to have you here. Yeah. And, you know, the story start like that. Um, we write a letter. Uh, Father Michael make a cover letter. Bishop Burns and Bishop Kaye ask uh, some questions to Father Michael. And finally they said, okay, that's possible to have Father Frank here to continue to, to lead this community. But... Is enough for him to work or just for this community? He has to be in the parish and try to. and right. then, uh, They ask, "Did, did he uh, speak English or Spanish?" Father Michael Sarah, He speak French. Spanish. He speak English. I said, "Okay." So he <laughs> will be your proker <laughs> vicar, Part-time, yeah. and we lead the community of Francophone community. Oh, that's okay. A, that's oh, my story. Okay, well, thank you. That, that's, yeah. that's a great explanation.
0: So, previous to you being here and leading the Francophone community, was there a French mass, or is, uh, was there ever any outreach to the French community, or is this brand new uh, in, in the uh, Dallas Diocese? Okay,
2: uh, before coming here, what I know is uh, that they, they have uh, small groups. Uh, they have a group in Dallas, they have a group in, in Fort Worth, uh-huh. especially in, in St. Joseph Parish. And then when I came, they just uh, because they have a priest, they just said, "Okay, let us be together." And then they all come to marimaculate for the masses. Mm. And then uh, when we, we we take the decision to write a letter, I told them if it is a letter, we need just to ask the chaplaincy. Chaplaincy, mm-hmm. which, which will be we are here, and we you all you guys will come over. All from maybe for war, from Prosper, for, and, and, that, and that's what we do. Okay. They, yeah. they, they came from, I don't know, I have people who drive for one hour before coming to the yeah. Mass. And, yeah. that's it.
0: and I think most people when they think of French Mass are going to think of people from France, of course, yeah. uh, but probably a large part of your community is from Africa. Is exactly. that right? It's uh, from
2: Africa because uh, I discovered that in the Cistercian Monastery, they have a French community from France. Yeah. They have mass over there. I think that every second or third Sunday in the month. But sometimes I, I also welcome them. They came to our masses because we have mass every Sunday and they came sometimes and enjoy our celebration.
0: Every Sunday. What time is your mass?
2: Okay. Well the mass is one thirty, one thirty to 2.30. Okay, in the in the main uh, sanctuary,
0: and I know you said that at the beginning it was kind of a small community, and then people are coming from all around. So, how big is the community? How many? Uh, okay, a, a uh, large we,
2: amount. We we start we start with uh, maybe uh, fifty person, but today uh, every Sunday we got between one fifty one eighty, okay people, yeah. but. During the great uh, uh, solemnity of the, of the of the liturgical year, uh, like uh, Christmas or especially uh, Easter, we got 800. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, yes, wow. yeah, we got wow. a lot of people because, you know.
1: <laughs> people <laughs> oh, come. Yeah, yes, okay. The, yeah, 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 yeah. That's so, right. Yeah, you, try, we
2: are, you try to get them to come back, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we are growing. I know that it's not easy for them to come every Sunday, but it's, it's good to see uh, basically uh, a group, a yeah. fixed group, <laughs> there and we are trying to walk. and we have an advisory, advisory council and financial council and we got mm-hmm. a, a lot of groups and ministries. Yeah.
0: yeah. Now, outside of the one thirty mass on Sundays at Mary Immaculate, are there other activities? Are you providing spiritual direction? Are you having Bible studies? Is there anything else for that community other than the mass that, that you're offering,
2: okay. Right now, out of the mass, we try to have uh, some activities. Um, every every year, we go for our uh, Lent uh, time recollection, uh, and then we we went to to the, the Mount uh, Saint Michael just to spend all the day to prepare uh, uh, to ourselves to to to, to live the the Lent time. Mm-hmm. That's during the 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 the, the uh, just after the Ash Ash Wednesday, we just take time to go and to 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 prepare this uh, kind of uh, going and to to live uh, the length time. Yeah. So after that, we have also uh, a lot of activities. Um, we we got uh, the picnic uh, that which be uh, a day for all the families to 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 be together and to to just uh, live. Uh, this Sunday, knowing uh, each other. And, this. and then we are also a multicultural night. And uh, we got, we got a, a activity, program of activities. Mm-hmm. And then we try just to, to, to follow that.
0: Yeah. yeah. Whenever I meet a priest like you and I hear a story and how you got here, I always think... Uh, are you here for good, or or could you be pulled brought back to uh, your home country of Benin again, or or is that just kind of like you know God's will be done, or yeah. who makes who makes that decision?
2: Okay, thank you, thank you. Dave. I, I I'm not I'm not, I cannot uh, say that uh, I will here just for ever and uh, to come back. No, uh, that's the 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 call of God. You know, yeah. uh, our spirituality as Yudhis father is uh, to be attentive to the. Mercy of God. The, the mercy is one of the great topics of our spirituality. So uh, we need to just to, 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 to be aware that when God wants you somewhere, you have to be there. Mm-hmm. So uh, basically with my, my superiors, they discover and I let them know that it's very, very important, this, that, that mission. Have the people need me to be here and to help them to know or what is is, uh, the the church, what we have to do to be a good Christian. So that's what I'm I'm doing right now. So Mm -hmm. for me, today, I'm here. I'm not uh, thinking go back and my superior know that. They they, they allow me to be here. My my provincial has to come and to meet with the, the bishop here. And we, just to to make sure that everything is okay, so mm-hmm. no no possibility right now to go back, but anyway, right. uh, I like finished my mission here, and God wants me to go back, I will go back
0: right right yeah, yeah I, I, we'll leave that in god 's hands exactly, right? exactly so having li- you know, lived and um, studied in Italy, and I think you said the Ivory Coast and Benin and now America, and you traveled around a bit, what is your observation of the american church How, what, how is it different here? What have been your observations of the culture, American culture?
2: Well, tell us about that. I'm always curious from an outside, oh, okay. outside Thank, perspective. thank you. David. That's an excellent question. I was so impressed when I came here because I was not didn't think that uh, the American church was like what I saw first in the in the social media. I said, okay, uh, is what the maybe uh, the the church of. Uh, I don't know, Presbyterian, Baptist did. But basically, a Catholic church, when I discovered here, is a great church. I didn't know that uh, in here in America, the, all the church have a lot of people. <laughs> you know, yeah. I know I, I serve in France and in Italy as, as a chaplain, as pastor. And I know that in France, the church are so empty. Yeah. Because yeah. you can have a... Uh, elder persons, but the the youngest, you just have to meet with them for the Christmas or Easter. Yeah. But what I saw here is amazing. For example, in Mary Macred, we have from Saturday to Sunday we have nine masses, and then we have five in English, three in Spanish, and one in French. Mm-hmm. And all the masses has is not. I'm I'm not gonna say that the the church is full, but they have a lot of people. Yeah, it's a yeah. incredible. And that's the same thing when I went to the event like ordination or I don't know, the Congress. I, I, I told one day to, to Bishop Kelly, Bishop, I think that this diocese is a great diocese because people know that God is essential and they need to practice your faith, mm, their faith. Yeah. And then that that's my, my, my first thing I, I yeah, discovered. Yeah. And the second one is, uh, what the church is very very organized. Uh, I, I go to all the our meetings, priest meeting, priest recollection, priest retreat, and then uh, I'm, I'm so happy to be here and to discover all that thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, I uh, God wants me in this moment here, and I'm I'm enjoying this day. Yeah, <laughs> praise it. God. We're
0: glad you're here. I'm just about out of time, uh, Father Frank Agbo y Uh, is my guest and he is the parochial vicar at Mary Immaculate Parish and Farmers Branch. He's also the chaplain of the Francophone community, which is the French-speaking community, uh, be it from France or Africa. And uh, so, Father, we only have time for uh, contact information if people want to get a hold of you or learn more about the community and also I was going to ask you to do a, a blessing in French and then we're <laughs> going to close out but we have about uh, 45 seconds so how do people get a hold of you if they would like to?
2: Okay, so uh, they can just uh, reach out to me uh, at Mary Immaculate Church yeah. uh, I have my uh, email uh, Father, Father Frank uh, at maryimmaculatechurch.org okay. or uh, they can just call Mary MacLeod Church and reach out to me they don't want just to, na- to, know, to say that they want to speak to Father Frank. Uh, otherwise, we have also uh, our, uh, f- we, we are on off lock note also, but just go on Mary MacLeod website and they got everything about our Francophone community. We got uh, our, our, on the Mary MacLeod website uh, all we need
0: to It's all on their website. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right, Father, thank you so much. Uh, a blessing in French, if you would.
2: Okay. Uh, before blessing, I want just to say some words in French. Merci beaucoup. Uh, c'est un vrai, c'est un honneur pour moi, uh, un privilège de venir aujourd'hui dans ce studio. Merci à Dave Palmer uh, et puis à toute son équipe. Et maintenant, je vais donner la bénédiction. Le Seigneur soit avec vous et avec votre esprit. Que la bénédiction de Dieu Tout-Puissant, Père, Fils, Saint Esprit, descende sur chacun de vous, auditeurs, et demeure à
0: jamais. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Frank. This has been the interview of the week. Thanks to James for running the board. Thanks to Father Nazar, Father Alphonse again for recommending it. And uh, hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you for listening. Thank you.
2: Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas,
0: Fort Worth. Catholic Radio for your soul in North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.